Welcome to the Goddess Ceremony Podcast, your space to find empowerment and wisdom on your journey. We talk about it all, sacred women's wisdom, empowered entrepreneurship, and everything you never learned about your body in one inspiring space. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder. Let's dive in. Welcome back, my friends, to the Goddess Ceremony Podcast. I've done almost 100 episodes here on the podcast, and so as you can imagine, I have talked to some of the most incredible experts. I've been able to speak about so many different subjects, and I have to be really honest when I share that this interview is one of my favorites that I've ever done. I've done a few episodes on cervical health before, but I really wanted to bring in who I think of as the biggest leader and expert in cervical wellness. And to me, that is none other than Danelle of Cervical Wellness. In our episode today, we talked about a lot. We talked about what it means to actually have abnormal paps, what to do if you're diagnosed with HPV, the shame spiral of an STI, and how you can start to reframe that and come home to yourself. We talk about the cervix as an initiation into the dark goddess and why the cervical healing journey is not always love and light. It can also be a lot of deep healing as we look at boundaries, codependency, and how we give our power away to other people. I was also excited to ask an expert like her some of my bigger questions like, what about the LEAP procedure? Is this really a safe option for women? And when we're diagnosed with abnormal PAPs, where are the key places for us to start? She also shared her favorite routines to connect to her cervix, so it really is an incredible episode. If you don't know who Danelle is, you're about to, and she's amazing. (laughs) If I'm the menstruation queen, we're going to call her the cervix queen. And she is a guide, a speaker, and an author specializing in women's wellness and earth-based health. And she also, like me, believes that the body has an innate ability to heal. Danelle herself was diagnosed with HPV and cervical dysplasia, and she took this as a powerful moment to choose her healing story. So she took it into her own hands to heal herself and Extraordinarily, she did just that. She's retained her clear bill of health ever since, and so in 2016, she formally founded Cervical Wellness, her online education platform that helps women heal their cervix and reconnect to their female sacred anatomy in new and empowering ways. She, of course, leads online courses and events, workshops, retreats, and she has an incredible book. It's called Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. It is a book that I own, one of my favorite resources for anything to do with the cervix. So I'll link that in the show notes below for you. I know you're going to love this episode. And if you feel like the cervix is something that intrigues you, well, you're going to be obsessed. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to share it on Instagram and tag both of us. And we'll be super excited to celebrate with you on your cervical healing journey. So let's dive right in. Here is Danelle. Welcome, Danelle. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. You've been one of my favorite accounts to learn from over the years, and I feel like I've been following you forever. So it's been uh, at least a couple of years. And it was through your work that I felt like I really started to have an appreciation and an understanding of my cervix. And I appreciate the vulnerability you offer in the online space as well, sharing your journey and certainly how you were not born with a deep connection to your cervix. Can you share a little bit about your journey from, you know, a very different season of your life and actually being diagnosed with irregular paps and how that really set you on this incredible journey and initiation? Mm. 
I would love to. I will do my best to keep it linear and <laughs> short because this, you know, as all healing journeys are, they're circuitous and spirally. Um, <laughs> but really, my journey began when I was 19. I'm 32, almost 33 now. And at the age of 19 is when I received my very first abnormal pap smear result. And I was in college at the time, and I think I went to like a local Planned Parenthood, and they just told me like, oh, your pap smears are abnormal, abnormal. you have HPV, and you have cervical dysplasia, but you're young, you don't have to worry about it, you can just go home. And, you know, at 19, especially when you've never once considered your reproductive health ever mm -hmm. beyond... Um, you know, pregnancy and abstinence, what we were taught in sex ed, I, I listened to the doctor and I didn't give my cervical health or just pap, abnormal pap smear one more thought. Mm -hmm. I, I left that doctor's office um, feeling like it didn't matter and I could just continue to do what I was doing and it would all be fine. And, you know, I think back to that moment of, of that doctor, or I don't know, it might have been a nurse practitioner. I don't know exactly what type of pro medical professional they were. But I think back to like how that was really a crossroads moment for me, mm -hmm. where if had that person sat me down and been like, hey, this is you have HPV. This is what it means. Like it's an STI. Hey, you have cervical dysplasia. Do you know what cervical dysplasia is? Do you know even what we're checking when we have when we have you have a pap smear? Mm -hmm. If that had happened, my life would have turned out very differently. But that didn't happen. So for the next four years, I continued to have abnormal pap smears and the um, HPV wasn't going away. And actually the cervical dysplasia was worsening. It was just continuously creeping over more and more of my cervix and the grade was getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, I was offered the HPV vaccine. I was offered the LEAP procedure, but uh, there's just something in me that told me that those options weren't like right for me. I don't quite, I can't quite put my finger on what I was feeling, but I just remember thinking, no, I don't want to do that. So at the four year mark, my doctors are getting concerned with me because of the rapidness in which the cervical dysplasia was increasing. What started out as SIN1, which is like the lowest level of abnormality, was now creeping up to SIN3 in some of the margins. So SIN2, mm -hmm. SIN3. Uh, margins meaning like some of the outside areas of the dysplasia. And, you know, they were very concerned with me. They're like, you are worsening. You're not getting better. You're not listening to us. You need to get the LEAP procedure. You're not listening to us. So we're going to send you away to this like really fancy OBGYN in a really fancy hospital so that you can listen to them. And, you know, I went to the hospital. It was the same old thing, you know, another exam, another colposcopy, another doctor asking me why I didn't get the HPV vaccine. Um, and this doctor literally looked me dead in the eyes and said, Danelle, you're, you're not listening to us. I'm sorry. There's nothing more that we can do for you. And she sent me out the door um, <clears throat> with nothing. Literally just with this sense of I am going to develop cervical cancer and 
I am going to have a hysterectomy or I'm going to die. And, and that's how I walked out of that, that, um, that meeting feeling like. So this was like a very pivotal moment in my, in my path because I was at another crossroads. And this is this idea of making choices on behalf of ourselves is a, is a main, is a main theme in the cervical healing journey. And here I was at another crossroads where I could fully believe what the doctors were telling me that there was nothing more I could do, that I was a lost cause because I was, I wasn't quote listening to them. But what happened for me was I was taking a shower after this exam, I was just trying to wash off the experience and I was crying very heavily. And I explain the moment like a light turning on in my body. It's like one moment I didn't have this feeling and then the next moment suddenly it was there. And this feeling was, I'm going to figure this out. Like there's something wrong clearly and something is out of balance I'm not doing something properly or correctly and my body's telling me and I'm going to figure this out. And so I walked out of that shower having made a very visceral choice to heal myself. I was like, give the, you know, proverbial middle finger to my doctors (laughs) and just decided I'm going to do this. So for three years, I took myself on this really in-depth epic journey of learning everything I could about the human body, about the female reproductive system, about the cervix, about healing, about different forms of medicines and traditional ways of healing. And I really just immersed myself in, in anything I could find that might help me. And little did I know is that I was um, really gathering together all of these seemingly disparate ideas and pieces of research around cervical health and the human body that had never been compiled before. So three years after I had said, yes, I'm going to heal myself, I found myself in my final year of graduate school. I had taken myself back to grad school to get my master's in integrative health. And my final semester at grad school, I um, get the call from my doctor that Uh, My pap smears were normal for the first time in seven years. And I remember just feeling so elated, like it was like the biggest weight lifting off my shoulders. But very, 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 very quickly that devolved into anger and resentment and really just this deep inner wrath around how much I had to teach myself that nobody told me. And realizing that how many potentially millions of women out there are going through this exact same thing that I went through. So Mm -hmm. one in this final semester at grad school, I put together all of the pieces that I had found and created this presentation for one of my classes about what I called cervical wellness and how we could help ourselves heal and reverse HPV and reverse cervical dysplasia without without needing these highly invasive interventions. And in that presentation, all of all of the women in my class were just like jaw dropped. They said, Danelle, why haven't you ever said anything about this? And I was like, I don't know, like people don't really want to talk about the cervix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're like, no, you need to talk about this. And so, you know, I graduated from school and 
I tried, I dabbled in other things, other jobs, you know, working for other people, but just this deep call within my body is like, you need to share this information because it's so important. And so in October, on October 31st of 2016, um, sorry, 2017, I officially launched Cervical Wellness as, um, you know, a passion project turned business to to share the voice of the cervix, to share the, the truth that we can heal our cervix ourselves, um, regardless of whether or not we have abnormalities, like we can heal this space in our body and, and what it can do for our life. And yeah, these past three years have been a whirlwind of um, continuous exploration of what it means to be a keeper of the cervix in our body. and um, helping women heal themselves. It's been really magical. And I think my lucky star is actually that I, uh, at the age of 19, got received that diagnosis and the doctor sent me away because, because of that, um, I am able to do this work today. So thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. I love a good healer story. <laughs> You know, where we we transmute our trauma and our experiences to be the bridge that we wished would have existed for us. And I see so such similarity in my work helping women specifically with their menstrual cycles. It's the same kind of thing. They're given very little options. And if you don't take those limited options, they kind of look at you like you're a lost cause. So I'm so grateful that you chose to take that and rise up and say, no, I will show you that I can do something different. Mm, yeah, totally. And that's really what we our world is needing right now is for people to continue to face that that inner fear and tap into that wellspring of courage to rise up because mm-hmm. that's really how we change things. And look at us now, we're doing work that is changing the lives of women all over the world. Yes, yes. Aho. <laughs> <laughs> So you had mentioned something really important, and that is that a lot of people don't actually even know what a cervix is. I remember years ago teaching workshops at certain retreats and talking about the cervix and having some women very courageously ask, like, what, what is a cervix and where is it? And I realized, wow, yeah, we, we don't talk about the cervix until something is wrong with it. Right. So when the body gets to the point of having an abnormal pap or being diagnosed with HPV, what does that tell us is going on? Or maybe even just give us like a brief intro to the cervix and these abnormalities. Yeah, I'm happy to. So I I call the cervix the forgotten part of the female form, Mm. the female body. It's like a forgotten place. So the cervix is um, in essence the tip of the uterus. It is actually a part of the uterus, um, but it is the part of the uterus that is exposed in the vaginal canal. So, um, you know, you have your vulva, your vaginal opening, your vaginal canal, and then at the very end of the vaginal canal, you hit kind of a dead end, and that is the cervix. And that particularly is the face of the cervix. So the cervix is actually pretty thick. It is, um, you know, statistically or not, I don't want to say normally, it's usually, you know, two to three inches thick. 
Um, there is, the, like I said, the face of the cervix. In the center of the face is the cervical canal or the cervical oz, um, the cervical canal being the canal through which semen enter in through, um, through which babies are born through, through which menstrual um, abortion and miscarriage blood flow out of. And the cervical oz is also called the mouth of the cervix. So our cervix has a face, our cervix has a mouth. And I like to think about how our cervix is actually just kind of like you, like the, your face and your mouth just down below. It's just another one of you. And um, so, you know, when we receive an abnormal pap smear, what this means is that the cells on the face of the cervix are showing signs of abnormality. Cervical dysplasia is just a really fancy term that means abnormal cells on the cervix. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly um, go into sharing about how this abnormality happens. And I'm going to do my best without a visual because it can be a little hard to to visualize, but I'm gonna do my best to describe this. So the way the cervical cells um, reproduce or are created on the cervix is that they start on in the inside of the cervical canal. That's where their life starts. And then as the cervix, I mean, as those cells go through their life cycle, they actually move from the inside of the canal out of the mouth of the cervix, and then they fan out to the, um, to the face and just continue to travel around the face until they just re reabsorb in the body. So if, if your listeners know what like a, a toroid or a torus looks like. Um, if you think of like a donut that is spinning um, like up, mm -hmm. it's a three-dimensional, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a four-dimensional shape, but you, any of your listeners, you can just Google Taurus and you'll see what I'm talking about. So that is actually how that the flow in which the cervical cells move from the inside of the cervical canal out to the mouth um, and then they fan out on the face. So when they start in the cervical canal, those cells are called uh, um, columnar cells. And those types of cells are very long, skinny cells. But as they travel from the inside of the canal to the opening, to the mouth or to the cervical oz, and then fan out to the face of the cervix, they change shape. They literally transform into a new type of cell, where by the time they're on the face of the cervix, <clears throat> which is the part of the cervix where if you stick your fingers up in your vaginal canal, you can feel the face. Um, once those cells are there, they are squamous cells. And squamous cells are very, very short and fat cells. So the cells of our cervix, our cervix itself is going through a literal transformation. And the place in which this transformation occurs is called the transformation zone or the squamo-columnar junction, you know, the place where the columnar cells turn into the squamous cells. And that region of the cervix is right around the outside of the mouth of the cervix. So um, like right in the little hole area and um, a, little, a little out towards, you know, in, in the face ever so slightly. 
So when we have these, quote, abnormal cells on our cervix, what this is actually saying is that the the process in which those columnar cells are transforming into the squamous cells, they're having a little bit of a hiccup and they are transforming abnormally. A pap smear is really just a superficial swab of this transformation zone to check to see how these cells are transforming. And so when we get this diagnosis, you have cervical dysplasia, it sounds so foreboding. But what is what is really being said is, oh, your the the cellular transformation on your cervix is is not going as smoothly as it should. Excuse me. And what this is an indication of is many, many actually different things. It is a signal to one, we need to bring some love and attention to our cervix. And what our cervix can be telling us is a whole myriad of things. It can be, we're not taking care of our bodies in the way that we need. And um, our immune system is perhaps uh, lacking, or it's um, having a difficult time in uh, taking taking care of our body. Maybe we're very stressed out. Maybe we um, have had, um, you know, a cataclysm in our life, like a sudden death or an accident. The abnormal cells on our cervix can also be pointing us towards our relationships and particularly our partnership and how we are behaving and sex. How are we engaging um, in our partnerships with sex? Really, I see the cervix as a bridge between our inner world, like the, the innermost regions of our female body, the womb, and the outer world, you know, you know, what is around us and and every day. And the face of the cervix is that boundary. So whatever, whatever is happening in our cervix is an indication of what is happening in our life. And I can go, you know, in many different directions with this. I'll let you, you know, guide it. But what I want to say is, When we have an abnormal pap smear and we have abnormal cells on our cervix, and even more so if we have HPV, like as a co-diagnosis, that this is a sign from our body that something needs to change. And there's no one exact thing that I could say needs to change because it's unique to every single one of our lives. Um, But there are some general themes like the ones that I just spoke to. Um, And there are more general themes having to do with our relationship with our mother and our relationship to being a a woman or being in a female body and what that means. Um, Really, the cervix calls us into deeper alignment with who we are and what we want in our lives. And The abnormal cells are a way for our body to draw our attention there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I will. uh, I will stop there, and I'll I'll go ahead and let you respond because I could just keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, when you're passionate about it, you can talk about it nonstop. Yeah, I I like your reframe of rather than seeing it as a sentencing or like now we're condemned to a certain experience later in life because of the abnormal cells or the HPV or whatever, seeing it as a message from the body, your body shouting, hey, there's something going on here and I need you to look at this. Mm -hmm. I think that's so much more empowering to look at it that way. 
Yes. Yeah, I really like to see um, us being in alliance with our body and that like, you know, the I, the ego, we're just kind of like within the body, living in it and our bodies moving us through the world. And if we are acting or behaving or living in this body in a way that isn't working for the body, our body will tell us. And Mm -hmm. For many of us, that comes up in our reproductive systems. And for some of us, it comes up in our cervix. Yeah, absolutely. And the way you concluded that really brings me to my next uh, question about it, because I think what makes your voice in the cervical world really unique is you do talk a lot about the emotional layers. I love your book. It was extraordinary. And yeah, I like that you connect dots that maybe we wouldn't see in other places online. So when something starts to manifest into an imbalance in the cervix, what can that point to on an emotional level? Mm. Yes, this this is where the real, real deep work is, is when we start to look at the emotional aspects of what our cervix is telling us. And um, I'll, I'll go through like the, the two or three main main themes that I have seen. Um, One being uh, codependency. And when I say codependency, I mean choosing uh, and behaving in a way that puts others' needs before our own uh, consistently. And then when we put our own needs first, going into a deep shame spiral. So codependency and women kind of go hand in hand because we have been taught that we, um, you know, we are worthy when we're selfless, that, you know, we must give to others before we give to ourselves. Um, you know, we want to be seen as the nice girl or the good girl, or we don't want people to be mad at us, or we don't want get people, people to get upset with us. And even if we didn't have any lived experiences ourselves of maybe fear of um, speaking our truth or having something, you know, harm you because you decided to have boundaries and stand up for yourself. It lives in our, in our DNA, just of being a, a woman and, and the fear of, um, really being bold or, or putting up boundaries for ourselves. So when I have a client who comes to me and they say they've had perpetual and persistent cervical dysplasia for four, five, seven, ten years. Um, and, you know, they've done all the nutrition stuff, you know, they're working their crystal wand and their yoni and they're looking at their, um, you know, embodiment. I often will ask them, well, what are your boundaries like? What are, how do you treat yourself when perhaps um, someone asks something of you that you don't want to give. And very often there's a, oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So again, rem- remembering that the cervix is this boundary zone between our inner and outer world. And if we also think about HPV and HPV being a virus and, you know, the virus working in the realm of the immune system, you know, our immune system is supposed to counteract viruses and create antibodies and keep them at bay. And, you know, so they don't wreak havoc in our body. Our immune system is also a boundary system. It's a protector system. It it seeks and destroys um, 
you know, that which is not self, that which is not supposed to be within us. So when a persistent and perpetual cervical dysplasia and HPV are present in someone, the first thing I point to is what are your boundaries like? And also when in your life have your boundaries, particularly your sexual boundaries, been crossed either against your will or you saying yes before you're actually a yes. Mm. So saying yes when you're actually a no. And when I really started to look at this, like this piece in particular around sexual boundaries and when am I a yes and when do I say am I yes, but I'm actually a no, this is when some very powerful movement in my personal healing journey happened. And I see it time and time again in my clients. Um, There's a a wonderful quote uh, by Dr. Christian Northrup that says, problems with a woman's reproductive system come from her inability to say no when she no to sex when she wants to, but doesn't think she should. Mm. So it's like the consistent allowance of penetration when we don't want, when we're either when we don't want to be penetrated or when we're not ready, like we can be a not yet um, and still allow penetration. And, and that crossing of the energetic boundary just in sex uh, creates this ricochet and in our boundary system, affecting our immune system and affecting our cervix. So, you know, that piece of um, abnormal pap smears, I feel is imperative for um, all of us, even if we don't have a diagnosis to really reflect on, because this is, you know, setting the stage for the energetics of our whole body, not just of our cervical health. Mm. Um, And, The other piece that I want to speak to is um, an emotional experience of self-rejection. And in my own life, this, before I kind of embarked on what I call my cervical healing journey, I really rejected being in a female body. Like I was so like fed up with having to have a period and I'm so emotional and you know why do guys seem to have so much easier and like mm-hmm. I think bowl through anything and like oh look at like people just want to stare at my breasts and you know I just really had a negative mindset around being um, a woman and uh, you know when I was still in the midst of believing my allopathic gynecologist, um, I would actually like take fists and and hit my womb. I was so frustrated with having continued HPV and continued cervical dysplasia. And so, you know, when our cervix has developed abnormal cells, this is like a, a cry, as I said, a cry out from our cervix to please bring your awareness here and bring some love here. I'm really, really needing to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I liken it to like a tantruming child. Like the child just starts crying. And then when you're not looking at it, it starts crying more. And then it starts stomping its feet and maybe like slamming stuff on the ground. And until you turn to the child being like, what do you need? I'm here for you. The crying won't stop. And this is true for our cervix. And so often 
us women, we don't live in our pelvises. We live maybe, maybe from our heart up. But oftentimes, most of us just live in our head or maybe like down to our throat. And we're just disembodied from our body because we have rejected ourselves in some way. We have rejected for whatever reason. And so this energy of self-rejection is pervasive in um, women with abnormal pap smears. And I can say this with certainty, just given the amount of women I've spoken to regarding abnormal pap smears. And so a, a, a deep a thread in the cervical healing journey is learning to fall back in love with with your sacred female form and what this means in in the greater world. Um, so, you know, in summary, boundaries and looking at our codependent behaviors, as well as falling back in love with um, being a woman on this on this earth and and what that means in uh, in the greater scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I I already can feel everyone listening to this resonating with all of that. And as you said, none of us learned boundaries. None of us learned how to say no. We largely are a group of people that try to people please and try to be nice, like you said. And no wonder it's manifesting in this way. So I am so grateful you shared those really, really key pieces of the healing journey because... It doesn't matter what supplements you're taking and what foods you're eating. If there is a massive disconnect on that emotional level, I would dare to say healing would be very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I get people who are very, very frustrated with me when they like, they say, Danelle, you know, I read through your post about the foods and I took the supplements that you told me to take. And, you know, I've even, you know, done some meditations, but it's just getting worse and worse. And I'm like, okay, well, have you actually done like the dark, scary work? Not like (laughs) just the like, um, let me buy some fun new tools and, you know, have my array of supplements on the counter. Like, no, like the cervical healing journey is dark. And I say it's like walking into like a dark, dark cave. I mean, the cervix is shrouded in darkness. It's dark in there. You can't see it. You can't, you have to shine a light in order to see the cervix. Mm. Um, So it makes sense that it calls us into these really, um, maybe like not beautiful parts of ourselves, of our psyche and inner world that we have really haven't wanted to look at. Um, But as I said at the very beginning, like our cervix is just another another one of us that has a face and a mouth. And she is saying, you need to look here and look me dead in the eyes. And I'll tell you Ooh. what I need to, I'll tell you what you need to know. And Ooh, friends, yeah. I will, I will say that spend enough time with your awareness in the depths of your pelvis and you will know exactly what you need to do for yourself. Mm. So powerful, but in a a healing kind of a world where it's all about love and light and kind of a lot of fluffy stuff. Yeah, people don't want to touch that dark goddess. They're like, no, I'm going to I'm going to go to yoga and (laughs) get a green smoothie. And that's that. Right. Right. I mean, and those that's great. That is really helpful. Um, but you have to be willing to go the opposite direction too. like have that smoothie and yoga and sound bath, like be replenishing 
after mm-hmm. you, you know, you dredge up some of the stuff from the bottom of the lake. <laughs> totally, totally. And then when HPV comes into this, what I hear from a lot of clients is the shame component of being diagnosed with an STI. And then that's that scary fear that I think is largely put on us in that uh, HPV is going to give us cancer inevitably. Mm-hmm. What's, what like wisdom would you give to someone who has been diagnosed with HPV and does have that shame spiral that they're really stuck in? Mm-hmm. I know this so well. Mm. Yeah, the first thing that wants to be said is you're not alone and that HPV is the most common STI in all the world. And this back in 2010, so it was 10 years ago, um, the statistics were that 79 million Americans, just in the United States, have HPV. And the thing is, is there are 140, I think there's actually even more now since I looked this up, different strains of HPV. Wow. So you know, it's not like the, it's not a super bug. It's not going to come and like bite you. It's, it's a virus that in fact, we co-evolved with Paleoarchaeologists have found HPV viral bodies in bone remains from like Neolithic ancestors. Like HPV is not new. It has been with us for a long, long time. And you know, the thing about viruses is I think there's so much fear because people don't really know how they work in our body. And I won't go into it here and now. If people want to know how viruses work in the body, I actually have on my IGTV or YouTube video, a video says how viruses work in the body. But there's like very specific ways in which viruses uh replicate and reproduce and and keep thriving in our bodies. And there's very specific ways in which we can counteract that. And one, you know, one being boosting your immune system. So, you know, when someone is uh, diagnosed with HPV and they're feeling that shame, there's really the story of like, oh, I'm dirty or I'm tainted or like, oh, I'm like for me, the thoughts were at the time, you know, I'm such a slut. I slept with too many guys and oh my gosh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm a bad girl. Um, you know, those are, those are all just stories and they're not true. And they, having HPV in no way affects our worthiness. And, you know, if I'm honest, I will say that I actually hid having HPV from my partner. So I, when I was on my healing journey, I would got a new boyfriend and I didn't tell him I had HPV because I was so ashamed. But then it came out like six months later because my pap smears were getting worse and worse and I was freaking out. Um, and he was, he wasn't upset that I didn't tell him I had HPV. He was upset that I had been lying to him this whole time. And he was like, Danelle, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Like we would have figured it out. So I really think it's, you know, we placing our worthiness on um, whether or not we have an STI is something we can just let go. And just like, you can feel that ball of anxiety in your, you know, solar plexus and just like, let it melt down to the earth because, STIs are very, very common. And we live in a human body, which contracts things like it's, it's part of being a human. Um, And, you know, 
HPV shame is also a very real experience. And I invite um, the listeners who do feel shame to sit with that shame to like really, like literally just sit with it, like close your eyes and like feel it. And to discern like what is the underlying message behind like underneath the feelings of shame like oh like do you are you is there a memory where you maybe allowed someone to penetrate you without a condom and now you're feeling regret about that or you're feeling yucky about that or um you know whatever it is there's usually something below the shame that um we're not choosing or we're choosing not to to look at or remember or see and that's where some good medicine can be found yeah yeah Mm. oh thank you for sharing that because that shame is heavy for people so thank you so it's so heavy I mean friends I was continuously going through shame spirals where you know you just like you feel shame and then you feel shame because you feel shame. And you're like, shoot, I feel shame right. because I feel shame. And I'm in- shamed more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like continuous up until maybe like two years ago. But mm-hmm. my, all this work with anchoring into my cervix, embodying my cervix, listening to my cervix, I eventually popped out of it. The shame around HPV lessened a while ago, but the shame around other things was continuous. But continue to look at it, continue to feel it. Be in your pelvis, notice what's there, and eventually it will cycle itself out. Mm-hmm. Another another journey from the dark goddess, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> All these initiations. Yeah, it's like, I didn't want these, but okay. <laughs> right. Another thing I've been wanting to ask you about is the LEAP procedure. Because Mm -hmm. uh, as you shared in your journey, it seems like the options they give women are pretty limiting and quite poor options, if I'm honest in my own opinion. Um, And the LEAP procedure, especially when I remember when I first looked up what the procedure entails, I was horrified. I had a very visceral response and almost wanting to clutch my own womb in that like that's it sounds so barbaric. And then later learning, too, that this can impede our ability to orgasm later, you know, there seems to be a lot that's attached to the LEAP procedure that we're not necessarily told when they're telling us this is the only option. What is your honest opinion on the LEAP procedure? And again, if you could speak to someone who's in that that time of need, what would you say to them? Yeah, I want to first start off by saying that, you know, doc, the allopathic doctors have good intentions, um, but they just follow a very linear way of addressing issues. So it's like, oh, if you show this symptom, we go to this diagnostic Mm -hmm. tool, and then we go to this procedure. And the LEAP procedure is just a part of that blueprint. Um, I did the same thing. I looked up the LEAP procedure, and I that's when I decided I wasn't going to get it because I freaked myself out. Mm -hmm. Um, My honest opinion of the LEAP procedure is that it is um, unnecessary, honestly. Um, There are many women out there who have gotten the LEAP procedure who have never had to worry about cervical dysplasia again, and their sex life is fine, and, you know, they have no issues. But the vast majority of women that I have spoken to who have gotten the LEAP procedure have had 
serious negative side effects or consequences that were never once talked about beforehand, some of which you have already spoken to. Um, one being, you know, the loss of sensation on the cervix. And the thing about allopathy is they don't recognize that the cervix is innervated, meaning it has nerve endings in it. I actually mm. had a client who told me that the cervix doesn't feel anything, so they should just get over it. And I'm like, that is completely incorrect. The cervix is one of the most highly, um, not one of the most highly innervated. It has the most nerve neural pathways than any other organ in the body. So the clitoris has the most nerve endings, but the cervix has the most um, neural pathways. There are actually three, three, I'm forgetting my numbers, three or four. I'm pretty sure it's three sets of paired nerves that innervate in the cervix, which um, one of them being the vagus nerve, which is like the most powerful, strongest nerve in the human body. It's also called the God pathway, which is um, one of the um, 12 nerves that come out from our brainstem. It's one of the 12 cranial nerves. And so when we sever, we so the LEAP procedure is they take this electrical loop and they literally just kind of shave off the face of the cervix. So if you think of the cervix as a little mound, they kind of just cut off the top. And their thought is like, oh, if we cut away those abnormal cells, we're getting rid of the abnormality and it will be gone. But as I spoke to earlier in our conversation, like there's this continuous transformation occurring. So if you don't actually address what is causing the abnormality, it can very likely come back again. And for many women, they have to get leap procedures over and over again until mm. there's no more cervix left to cut away. And then they do oh. a hysterectomy. So I take issue with people or not people with, um, allopathy just going straight to elite procedure without ever looking at somebody's diet or somebody's stress levels or if they are going through a hard time right now, like mentally or psycho-emotionally. Um, and it just being this panacea for, for something that really is indicating something much deeper. Mm -hmm. Now, I... In my work with clients, I never advise one way or another because it's not my, I don't want to choose what's best for somebody's body for them. I will talk to people about it. And for some women, they're like, you know, I feel better about getting the leap procedure and then, you know, still doing this deep cervical healing journey work. And I'm like, that's great. If you feel empowered doing this, if you know the risks and you know what you're going into and you're still a yes, like all the power to you. But the issue for, issue for me is when people just go blindly into saying yes without actually looking into what it entails and what can happen. Because if you get a leap procedure, say in your early 20s, this can set you up for like an impossibility to give natural birth and a forced cesarean because your cervix cannot dilate from the scar tissue. Mm. Um, you know, that's one of the one of the side effects. I, you know, there's um, a woman named Kate Orson, who is um, publishing a book called A Cut in the Brain. And it's about her experience of getting the LEAP procedure done. And it changed her personality. Like, it, it mm. like, there's something about the severing of those nerves that like changed, that changed her in a way that she wasn't prepared for and didn't 
want. And so her book is about like her healing from what she feels like a cut. She says, I felt like they cut my brain when they actually cut her Mm. cervix. But this is the deeply interconnected aspect of the cervix to the rest of the body. So, you know, there are other ways that we can tend to us ourselves, you know, escharotic treatments, which if you can afford a naturopath is a great, you know, physical way to address um, cervical, I mean, cervical dysplasia, if you want to go that route. Um, but if you are feeling like you are a yes to the leap procedure, please do research, please know exactly what you're getting into. Don't be afraid to ask questions of your doctor and, um, give yourself lots and lots of time to heal before anything penetrates you. Mm-hmm. 1000%. Yes. I think that the, the best thing you just shared there was be informed when you make that decision. And I guess that's the, the title of your book, isn't it? <laughs> informed, yes, it aware, is. empowered. Yes. So as long as you know the pros and cons and know what you're consenting to, then yes, you get to make that sovereign decision. But as you, I'm sure, know so well, sometimes in that uh, doctor's room, we we just feel a bit pushed in that direction and we, we're scared. So we don't know what to do. Yes. Uh, one thing just came up that I want to say, when we're in those doctor's offices, this is when our codependent behaviors can become most prevalent, is when we start putting our doctor's feelings before our own. So oh. you know, I've had clients say, I didn't want the doctor to get mad at me, or, oh, yes. they were in such a rush, and you know, they were so busy, so I just, you know, I didn't want to bother them. I and mean, I'm like, oh, heck no. No, 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 no. <laughs> You are paying them. They they are working for you, my dear. You take all the time you need, go as slowly as you need, speak what you need, and the doctor's office can work around you, their paying client. Mm. So I just wanted to add that in. Boom. Mic drop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that you added in a that the doctor's office can also be where our codependency comes out. That's very fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Danelle, would you be open to sharing a couple of your own practices you do, whether they're daily or throughout the month, that you feel like help you stay anchored in your cervix so that you can focus on your sovereignty, feel like you make empowered decisions, and connect to that dark goddess? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first one that I do, I try to do every day, which is so simple, so basic. Your listeners are going to be like, oh, come on, this is so simple. Um, but really, it's just about um, for at least like five to 10 seconds, bringing my awareness to my cervix. And sometimes I can like if I'm anxious or, you know, scrolling Instagram and I'm out of my body, a way that I can get to my cervix um, is I just visualize you know, my awareness in the center of my brain. And then I drop my awareness down the central column of my body, like an elevator or like a stone falling through water. Mm. And I just drop it down, 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 down. And like, I'll get to my womb and I'm like, hey, womb, what's up? But then I go (laughs) even deeper, like, okay, let me go down through the womb down until like I get boom, like to the base of my cervix. And I perhaps because I've been doing this so long now, but I experience it like a a settling. It's like, oh, I'm like taking a seat in myself or I'm like sitting down. I like to visualize like I'm sitting down in my throne when I drop my awareness into my cervix. And when I, my awareness is there, I mean, I will do this if I am sitting in traffic 
if I am like, if there's like a long line at Costco and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be here for 10 minutes. <laughs> I will do it. You know, my eyes are open, but I'm like in doing work in my inner world. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, my legs don't want to be crossed or wow, I'm gripping, you know, my my yoni a lot like let's bring some spaciousness there or you know my cervix might be like hey remember you're hungry or like hey actually like let's go to the let's go pee like you have no need to hold it anymore really the Mm -hmm. cervix guides us into what our body needs because it's impossible to be aware of your cervix without being embodied in your whole torso so that is one practice i i do my best to do every day Um, And then another thing that I love to do is just uh, cervical self-touch, either with my hands or my fingers when I'm in the shower or the bath, or, you know, if I'm wanting to do something a little more, you know, longer with uh, a crystal wand, or even if you just have a dildo. But this is with the intention of not necessarily pleasuring yourself or, you know, if you're using your hands, you know, not checking cervical fluid or whatnot. We're just the, like this, the cervical self-touch practice is really just about um, bringing, like bringing loving attention there. And like, so when the cervix is touched, just like touching and holding and breathing and releasing. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll do this and I'll have a really big cry or, um, you know, sometimes I'll notice like, oh, there's pain there. Like, what is this pain telling me? And just being again, being with it and letting it move through. And oftentimes there's an insight or a wisdom piece that comes through. I'm like, Oh, wow. Thanks cervix for, for letting me know this. Um, Mm -hmm. and then sometimes it evolves into self-pleasuring, but that's not like when I go into this practice, like it's, that's not the intention initially. Um, yeah, those are the two main ones that I do most often. I have a lot of different invitations that I love to offer people. Like you can, you know, write a letter to your cervix or just like bringing your cervix on board into your daily life. Like, what would it be like if like your cervix chose what you wore today? And like, Mm -hmm. like inviting that dark goddess energy into your life, like, ooh, like how will I dress when I'm like fully embodied in my pelvis in this way? And I find that fun. Uh, Maybe others might be a little overwhelmed by that, but you know, the beauty of the cervical healing journey is we can make it what we want. And whenever we invite our cervix to the party, uh, things can become much richer, more deep and very revealing. Mm. Yeah. So I'll just leave Mm -hmm. that there. (laughs) Amazing tools. And I like that they're all really reminders to just tap in to be in your body and to stop reaching for something outside of ourselves. Right. Precisely, precisely. Our body holds so much wisdom. It is so divinely intelligent. And, you know, just in this facet of my work, I'm bringing the focus to the cervix. But really, I mean, I'm just going to say you can do this to any part of your body and there's wisdom to be found there. Mm -hmm. Great reminder. Danelle, I just want to talk to you all day. <laughs> this is... I know. This is fun. Yeah. I love talking about this. I, you know, I've been on a new healing journey of having broken my arm two months ago, and I haven't been able to like talk about the cervix much in those two months. And so oh. I'm just excited and I might have been talking a mile a minute, but I'm just excited to be here. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to to offer this space. And, and really, I genuinely want to thank you for the work you do in the world. I've learned so much from you over the years. And um, mm. I, I think it's beautiful that you've made this your life mission to give other women hope in their cervical journey. So really, mm. thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to do this work 100%. Yeah. And because everyone wants to know how they can connect with you, where is the best place to learn from you? Yeah, my website is cervicalwellness.com. And I'm also very active on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Um, you mentioned that I have a book. I do have a book. It is called Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. And it's Um, written in a way to make the cervical healing journey accessible and easy to follow, as well as hopefully maybe a little fun and exciting. (laughs) I like to think of it as an adventure, but I'm not sure if other people see it that way. And um, yeah, (laughs) you can find that book uh, or my book on really any online bookseller, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those places. And yeah, you can sign up for my newsletter or um, have a private social network called Our Web of Healing, where you can connect with other women who are also on the cervical healing journey. And you can join that by um, joining one of my two free opt-ins, which is either three meditations to connect to your cervix, or I have um, like a four free trainings for free trainings to um, help initiate initiate you on your cervical healing journey. And um, all of that can be found on my website. Beautiful. And I'll have all that linked in the show notes. So super easy to connect. Thank you again for being here. And if you're listening to this and loved this episode, be sure to share it on Instagram, tag both of us at cervical wellness and at menstruation queen. And maybe we'll bring Danelle back for part two. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thank you for joining us, beautiful friend. Please share the love with a five-star review, text the episode to a friend, and connect with me on Instagram at Goddess Ceremony. Until next time.